Greetings, Team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena. We are now on our third episode of a mini series that we started two weeks ago on work. It's a four-part mini. It's a four-part series. Today's episode three. Next week will be the final and fourth. The fourth and final episode. And this series we are calling "Work Is Worship," right? Um, in the first episode, what we did is that we answered the question of why we work. On the second episode, we answered the question of what work is. And so today, we are going to be answering the question of how we work, how we are supposed to work, how we ought to work, right? Now, to answer this question, we're going to go look at Genesis yet again. And uh, we're also going to look at another scripture from Luke as well. Um, but first, let us look at Genesis 2 from verse 5 to 7, which says... Now, no shrub had yet appeared on earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. All right. Now, the things that I want us to take out from this passage that I've just read is two things before I go now to the next passage in Genesis. We're going to read from Genesis 3 as well. Is I want us to take out two things from this passage that I just read, okay? Remember, no shrub had yet appeared on earth and no plant had yet sprung up for two reasons. One, God hadn't sent rain on the earth. And two, there was no one to work the ground, okay? And so how did God respond? He sent water to water the whole surface of the ground. Secondly, he formed a man from the dust of the ground, okay? So, he's, that's, he goes, so God solved both, both, both the challenges of why there was no shrub that had yet come up, okay? Now let's go and read uh, Genesis 3 from verse 17 to 24. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil and you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Hallelujah! Now, the context around this portion of scripture is one that very many of us uh, most probably know about, where it's basically the serpent who comes and he deceives Adam and Eve to rebel against God, right? And so the thing is, is that as soon as God finds out, he begins to let Adam and Eve know about the consequences of their choice to rebel against him. And at this very point, this is now when we read this portion of scripture that we just read in uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, where God is speaking to Adam and he says to him that the ground, not Adam, is cursed on account of what he had done. Right? Now, the Hebrew word here used for curse depicts the absence of blessing on account of the removal of the influence of God. 
right? The absence of blessing on account of the removal of the influence of God. And so what, how we see this curse manifested in, is, is in that Adam and Eve are, are literally kicked out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground, right? We see this happening. And so the thing is, is that the first thing I really want to be able to just um, put to, to you is that, you know, that the gravest consequence of Adam and Eve's sin was actually their removal from the presence of God. That really was the thing that was going on over here, where God is saying to the guy, man, when you go out there, <laughs> it's going to be just painful toils, right? Because in my presence, in this place where my presence is, is you're able to just have all this stuff, right? But then because you're out of my presence, that this is the real tragedy that's happening here. This is the real kind of like major consequence of what is going on at this very specific moment. Remember that there were two things that made the ground fruitful. That there was rain and man. Rain came from God and man was formed to work the ground. And so away from God's presence, the ground would struggle to produce fruit from, for Adam, right? So basically what God was saying is that your removal from my presence, Adam, has caused there to be a barrier of blessing between you and the ground. And then he goes on further to define this barrier where it will now be very difficult for you to cause this ground to be fruitful. The word used here is toil, right? In toil, you will eat of the ground, right? The word toil means painful. It means pain, labor, hardship, sorrow. So therefore, God is basically saying to Adam, right? This is what God is saying to Adam is that in pain, in labor, in hardship, and in sorrow, this ground will produce food for you. In pain, labor, hardship, and sorrow, you will be fruitful, right? Then this is obviously in stark contrast to the garden, isn't it? Where in the garden, what we see here is that from any tree of the garden, you may freely eat other than this one tree. That sounds like a pretty, 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 that doesn't sound like painful labor, hardship, sorrow. You know what I mean? This sounds, this sounds slightly different, right? That in the garden, there was plenty of food to eat, but now there were no trees for him to freely eat from. Instead, he would have to toil to literally eat, to get his bread. And not only that, not only that, that outside of just the toil, this is, I feel like the, the one that's just even more painful, right? Is that even the fruitfulness he achieves will be minimal. Because in that fruitfulness will be thorns and thistles, right? That even, if you, even when you till the ground, right, with all the pain, sorrow, and hardship, it will produce for you useless things. That even after all the pain, labor, hardship, and sorrow, that you will also struggle to produce good fruit. So God was saying to Adam, you're going to have to work extra hard to cultivate the ground and that even after all that extra hard work it will not yield for you the bounty that you saw in the garden of eden it will be very difficult for adam to see fruitfulness in his life it would be via sweat and a lot of hard labor and even after that the fruitfulness would not be would be minimal right it would be accompanied with thorns and thistles and the thing that's so interesting that is that that's something that we also witness today, you know, at this moment in time where many put together a plan for their lives, right? And they say to themselves, I will be happy and fulfilled when I, when I achieve these specific things. And so they put in all their hard work and just, you know, get into just, you know, hard work to achieve their dreams. And then once they finally achieve those things that they were basically dreaming about and working so hard for, it doesn't bring, bring them the fulfillment that they thought it would. 
right? So what they do is, is that you then now at that point in time when you're just like, man, I thought just being able to just, you know, once I'm, once, once I'm married <laughs> or once I have the kids or once I, once I have that job or once I'm able to do X, Y, and Z, then I will be happy. Then at that point in time, so I work so hard to achieve all these things. If I just have that house, if I just have that car, if I just have this much money in my bank account, and then all those things happen. And then when it happens, right, the, the thing that you thought it would bring you is just like, meh. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, and now what you do is, is that now you change the plan, right? You create another goalpost, right? And you come up with a new plan. And you're just like, oh, man, you know what? If I just, if I just do this, this, then this, right? Then I shall be happy and fulfilled. Then I shall have that thing. And so what happens is that you end up in this vain chase of fulfillment that can never seem to, as you're following your own plans, you come into this vain chase of just like following your own plans and then realizing at every stage that this thing is not bringing me the fulfillment that I so desire and want. This is the thing that literally is happening with Adam is being told. He's like, my guy, you will put in so much hard work, number one. But also, on top of that, on top of that, like sweat, toiling, all that stuff, is that even the fruitfulness that you will achieve will be so minimal. It will be so minimal. Right? So it's the same thing. Vain pursuits, just here. You know, there's someone who once told me how... Um, has a great life in terms of, you know, he's relatively successful, great family life, um, great relationship with his wife. But the thing is, is that he was saying to me that even with all these things, even with all these things happening, all these things that he's been so pursuing and working hard for, that he's still not happy. That he's still not happy. Everything he wanted, except he has no peace or happiness. This is toiling, where your hard work does not give you what you ultimately are desiring. Or maybe you're the kind who is working so hard, but getting so little out of it. You're in the rat race, just moving and toiling and hustling and grinding and getting nowhere. Or getting just a little bit further, even still after putting in so much work, you're just getting just a little bit further. I don't know if you ever feel that way, where you're giving so much, but it produces so little. This is what God was telling Adam, that this life outside of my presence will be like that. This is, what this, this is what it's going to be like when you're out there, right? When I banish you out, out of this place, this is what it's going to look like, right? You're going to have to work extra hard and even with all that work, you will still not be able to achieve the high level of fruitfulness that you're able to achieve in this place, in this place where my presence is. And so the thing is, I know for many of us over the last couple, probably two weeks as you've been listening, not even two weeks, probably the last four weeks from episode 14, where it's like you've been listening and... You've been thinking to yourself, you know, what more can I do? You've been working hard for many years, but wondering whether it has been worth it for the fruitfulness that you see. Or the others right now, you feel as though you are toiling. You're, in a co you're just a cog in a wheel. You're just a cog in a wheel, just out here, just toiling, working, but with no purpose. You're just, you're just over here. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that one of the things that if you have been, you know, watched the last two episodes, is realizing that God is really interested in us being fruitful. That we are designed to be fruitful. That even after the fall of man, God did not curse the man and tell him that you cannot be fruitful. He did not say that. But what instead happened was that in order for this guy, this man, this mankind to be fruitful, it would take blood, sweat, and tears. 
And so when Adam partook of that forbidden fruit, God told him that if he ate the fruit, he would surely die. And now we know, obviously, that after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, that they didn't literally physically die at that moment in time. It was a different kind of death. And what we saw was that the death that Adam and Eve encountered was to be removed from the presence of God. To be now here at the whims of fate, at the whims of this ground, just go toil, don't even know whether this ground is fertile, don't even know where, when, when is the rain coming. When is this rain going to come? You know what I'm saying? And this is the death that they began to experience, that absence from the presence of God was and is pain and toil. But why is this? Why is this? Why is absence from God pain and toil? God designed man in his image and likeness to rule like him, to be fruitful like him, to subdue like him. And therefore, outside of God's presence, Adam was lost. He had no word. He had no insight. He had no knowledge on how to subdue. He had no idea on how to be fruitful and multiply. Now, all of a sudden, away from God's presence, he lacked everything that he needed to execute his mandate to be fruitful. He lacked everything that he needed in order for him to be fruitful. In Jeremiah 17, from verse 5 to 6, it says, that cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Basically, lacking in blessing is the man that trusts in himself. The one that makes mere flesh his strength. The man who thinks he knows, when in reality he does not know. The man who thinks he knows will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. This is the thing that happens for the person that is outside of God. That this is what God is saying. It's not him that curses you. It's like you are literally living in a cursed state. It's basically almost in this, the equivalent of when you cut a, 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 a branch off of a tree. It's only a matter of time before that thing withers and dies. Do you get what I'm saying? Like already just by cutting it off from, the, from its life source. It's, it, it, it can come and it, it's like the way you cut roses. They'll flower for a, for a bit, Right? When they're cut off, but at some point, the thing is just going to die out, right? This is what God is saying. That cursed is the man who trusts in man, who basically puts himself outside of God, who makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from him. That guy is like a bush in the wasteland. He's like a thing that has been discarded because he's removed himself from the source of life. This is what God was telling Adam. That when you're outside of my presence, when you're outside of me, this is what is the thing, that the thing that happens to you is death, is the thing that happens. That you are not able to achieve fruitfulness. And you know, the thing is, is that, you know, we currently live in a world of misinformation. This has been and continues to be the primary weapon of the enemy. Misinformation is just a fancy word for lies. You know what I mean? It's just a nice word for lies. And it's the reason why the devil is known as the father of lies. This is the strategy that he used against Adam and Eve. Did God really say? 
This continues to be his mission to misinform. This is the same plan that he used against Jesus Christ in the wilderness. Do you ever wonder why that the thing that Christ used against the enemy was not rebukes, but instead the word of God? He used the word. He used the word. It is written. The truth. The truth of the word of God. And the thing is that we are misinformed about relationships, about work, about purpose, about meaning. We are misinformed about all these things. And so what happened is this, is that when Adam left the presence of God, he found himself in a world that knew nothing. And so the thing is this, and in this place where he finds himself, he was alienated from everything, from the source, from the source of everything that he needed to know. He was alienated from the one who knew everything. So cursed was the ground because the guy managing the place was utterly and completely incompetent, incompetent and misinformed. So cursed is the ground because you as the guy who is mandated to manage this creation have no information on how to do it effectively, on how to be able to achieve fruitfulness, on how you're able to go and basically know where it is that you're supposed to go and cast your net, to be able to go and fish, you know? So there are all these things that were happening and this all happens because he was outside of God's presence. And so the thing that I want us to consider is that the story of Adam is not a story of why all humanity must toil. It's a story of what happens when we live outside of the presence of God. What God wanted to do with Adam and Eve was to teach them and instruct them in the way that they ought to go. That they would hear a voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk in it. God wanted to pour out his wisdom to them so that they could be exceedingly fruitful and, he, and, and, and efficient and well-trained managers of his creation. God wanted to fill his children with knowledge and wisdom that would cause them to be fruitful just like their father is fruitful. The story of Adam and Eve is the story of mankind's inability to stay in God's presence. It's the story of mankind thinking that he knows when in reality he does not know. But also on top of that, on top of him not knowing, he's also living in a world of misinformation. In a world where there's a serpent, there's an enemy who is intentionally here to misinform you. So the thing is you, mankind, thinks that my plans will make me happy. My plans will give me fulfillment. But alas, as Jeremiah says, you are like a bush in the wasteland. Because of your great and lofty plans, you cannot see when prosperity comes. Because you're outside of life. You're outside of the essence of life. You're outside of God. And so this is what God does. And he talks about it if you go and read Genesis 3, and I hope you will. Is that he begins, even he says to Eve, that there's going to be someone who's going to come. And he begins to, to, to prophesy and to speak of the coming of a Messiah that would basically be able to usher the people back into the presence of God. That through Jesus Christ, what God does is that he creates a way for us to go back to Eden. And think of Eden as to go back into the presence of God. To go back to the place where we operate from his presence. Where through faith in Christ Jesus, we are reborn into an upgraded version of even that Eden experience. Where beyond just being in God's presence, what happens is this, is that God's presence lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. 
that this is actually through Jesus Christ an upgraded experience from what it was happening in Eden. In John 5 from verse 1 to 8, Jesus tells us this, that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the path to being exceedingly fruitful begins and ends with him. He is the key. He is. If you remember how he talks about the fact that there were cherubims that came and now were blocking the way to the tree of life, Jesus Christ is the way back into the tree of life. He is the tree of life. He is the tree of life. That Jesus Christ is the one. That he is the one that grants us the ability and gives us the ability to be, to be fruitful. And he says that when you abide in me, that outside of me, it is impossible for you to be fruitful. But with me, when you are, when you are, when you are with the, when the branch is still connected to the vine, that the father who is the vine dresser is the one who comes and is, ensures that you are fruitful, that you are able to bear much fruit. And so he says to us, abide in me, abide in me so that you can bear much fruit. Jesus Christ is the key. He's the reason to be able to understand why we work. We look at him. We look at the story of Genesis to understand what work is. We look at him. And to understand how we work, we look at him. He is the key to fruitfulness. He is the key. He is the one who holds the key to fruitfulness in our lives. And he says, abide in me. Come to me. Come into my presence and abide in me. Now, there's a story that I want us to read in Luke 5 from verse 1 to 7. Right? And I want to read this because it's a story that, that, that's really great that shows about how Jesus is the key to fruitfulness in our lives. Jesus is the key to fruitfulness in our lives. Right? Now it says here, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the, let's I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear 
A shout for help brought their partners in the boat, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now, what's really interesting about this story and showing you that Jesus is the key to fruitfulness, right? And especially I love this story because it really kind of puts together the whole context around work is worship, okay? Here's the thing about this story. Jesus is teaching the crowds, okay? And at this point in time, Jesus, man, Jesus is, Jesus' teaching is popping. Because first of all, all the miracle signs and wonders, and on top of that, the word that he's speaking, he is as one who speaks with authority. And it becomes overwhelming because now people are pressing against him. The crowds are pressing against, against Jesus, okay? And so Jesus notices two empty boats. And what he does is that he enters one of the boats, and then he asks Simon, where, who's, one of the, who's the owner of the boat, right, to push it out into the water. Now, Simon, at this point in time, wasn't like, yo, man, uh, dude, you know you're on my boat, eh? Uh, you, you finna pay for this or what? You know what I'm saying? Literally, he's just like, Jesus jumps, gets into the boat, tells Simon, <laughs> tells, literally tells Simon, man, I'm on your boat, whatever. Push me out into the, push me out into the water, and Simon does it, Right? pushes him out into the, into the water so that Jesus could continue teaching the people the word of God. Okay? And so, Jesus used Simon's boat to teach the word of God. Then it says that after Jesus had finished teaching, he turned his attention to the guy who had allowed him to use his boat, which is Simon. And he says to him, Now, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Right? Jesus knew exactly where they needed to cast their net. He knew exactly where they needed to cast their net. He knew exactly where the fruitfulness was. And he knew where the bounty was. He knew where the money resides, bro. And so, Simon is like, Master. Right? Very important, Master. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And it says that this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. They hauled in so much fish, they were, they were not ready for it. Right? Their boats were literally on the verge of sinking. That's how much fish they caught. To the extent where Simon had to literally cry out, like almost like in distress, for other guys to come and help him be able to haul in this incredible amount of fish that they had just caught. Right now, the thing that I want you, to, I want to remind you, and this is where I'm going with the story. I just mentioned to you that the whole thing about toiling and the fact that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is literally the answer. Where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, you can do nothing without me. I am the key. I am the key to the fruitfulness that you're trying to look for. I am the key. I am the one who has this, right? Now, I want you to remember why we started this series in the first place. If you remember in the Acts series, the episode 14 and 15, right? Where we looked at the book of Haggai, right? And I mentioned to you that God is first and foremost calling us to a place of refocusing our attention, if you remember that. And if you haven't watched that, I encourage you to go and watch specifically episode 14 and 15 of the Acts series, where he says to us that literally the reason why you have so little, right, is because you have planted much but harvested little. 
You eat, but you are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. That the reason why this is happening is because you have neglected my temple. And in today's context, I would say that it's because you have neglected my kingdom. We have focused our lives so much on building our own empires, our own legacies, our own lives, and have forgotten about Christ and his kingdom. And so God, through that message that we talked about, is calling us to refocus to place building and extending his kingdom as a top priority in our lives. And now what does this look like? And I mentioned it to you last time. But I want to be able to point something here that's very interesting about this story that we read about Simon Peter. That Simon Peter, first and foremost in this story, allowed Jesus to use his stuff to preach the word. And when Jesus was done, that's when he turns his gaze to Simon and blesses him. And in fact, the thing that is so interesting is that not only, if you go even further, this story is only the first part that I read, that Simon was willing to allow God, was willing to allow Jesus Christ to use his stuff. But not only did he allow Simon, did Simon allow Jesus to use his stuff, there's another story that is told in John 21 that is very similar, where basically the same thing happens. Jesus has now at this point in time not yet been resurrected, but he has died and he has now, yeah, yes, yes, he has died and he is now resurrected, but he hasn't ascended into heaven. And these guys, again, same thing, Peter is fishing. This time, though, there's a guy who comes and they don't recognize him as Jesus. And he comes and he tells them, have you guys caught any fish? And they're like, nah, bro, we've been here the whole night trying to catch fish. And Jesus tells this guy, Cast your net on the other side. Similar to this story. And they haul in a huge amount of fish. And what happens is this. Is that same thing happens. But here is the difference in the John 21 story. That later on we see. That this is what. Uh, that, that Jesus uses this as a preamble to asking Simon. That not only do I want to use your stuff Simon. I also want to use you. I also want to use you. For the extension of my kingdom for the extension of the message of this kingdom. Now, let me, allow me to be candid with you for a moment. Because there are two things that really stand out to me from this story. And this goes all the way in regards to, and this is key in regards to us being able to understand that Jesus is the key, right? That number one is this, that this Simon Peter here who allows God to use his stuff to preach the word, <laughs> right? That if you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you as a person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, that you believe in Christ Jesus, and you do not in any single way support his work, you need to change that right now. You need to change that right now. The one thing that we see here from Simon's story is that this guy allows Jesus to use his... In fact, not only does he allow, he even is a guy who pushes him out into the water. He pushes him out into the water and allows Jesus to use his stuff so that he can be able to preach the message of his kingdom, to preach his word. 
My friend, you know the thing is why I'm saying this is because, and there's two parts to this, right? The first part is the God, you allow God to use your stuff. Let me tell you the thing that's so interesting and why I feel like this, this story kind of stood out to me. It's very interesting. I've been uh, a part of um, boards for some ministries, some churches, and even specifically here with Adulam specifically, is that it, it really baffles me. It baffles me to no end that out of all the people that watch Adulam, right? And I mean this, I'm, I'm using Adulam as an example, but this is across possibly all, all types of ministry, right? Literally less than 1% of the people who watch this ministry support it. And every single time I think about it, it just baffles me to no end. Baffles me to no end. <laughs> because the thing that we realize here is, is that the whole purpose, not the whole purpose, but it's like we as the people who are a part of the kingdom are supposed to support the work of the kingdom. But we don't do it. And this is not a, a, an appeal to anyone. Me, I'm saying this in across the board. Like if you go to most churches, that a lot of times that the people, as the people are going to attend church and they're going there to their church to go and be fed the word of God and the church is doing all this stuff, that literally in most churches, less than 5% of the people are actually supporting the work of the church. Or supporting ministry so basically what we have here is a case of number one we don't allow God to use our stuff that's the first part that's part one right and one of the things that why this baffles me is because you know when I think for me for me for me personally as Eric Timba my personal philosophy has always been that wherever it is that I feed from is I support it okay so meaning that I'm telling you right now, there's some there's, there's, there's preachers who I love from America. And I'm telling you, I will find a way to go and put some $10 in a card and make sure that I send some support to that ministry. I don't care how successful that ministry is because I understand how fruitfulness works. That Jesus is the key and supporting his work is critical to us being able to achieve fruitfulness in our lives. So me, that's what I do. Same thing here. Any, any, any preachers that I love listening to, I'm always supporting their work. Why? Because this same thing, this same principle that is here, that's, that you're understanding from here, is the thing that is so key. But here's the, here's the second thing, right? If you watched the um, episode, episode 14 of that act series, where I'm asking you to participate in kingdom building with, within your own sphere of influence, Right, that, that within your own sphere of influence that you would participate and understanding that we are the church and that it, we, are, we are the ones being called to participate in us being able to then be a part of this kingdom agenda within our own spheres of influence. Right. So the first thing is, is that we have the inability to support the kingdom through our, 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 our staff. But then the second part is this, that even ourselves. So God, can't use, so God can't use our stuff and he can't use us. So that's the thing. So, so Simon, Simon is the, so in Simon's case, it would be like, Jesus, you can't use my boat and you also can't use me. 
So literally, what happens is this, is that within the kingdom of God, we have so many... Remember the time when I was making fun of guys that you're like an appendix. We have no known use. This thing has no known use in the body. Like till today, they still don't know what an appendix does. That's exactly how many believers are like. Can you imagine? Less than 5% support. On top of that, I'm sure even, even less than that 1% are also wanting to be a part of this kingdom agenda. So in this kingdom, what we have is a bunch of just appendix. And this is the thing that is so interesting. That when you look at that, when we talked about Haggai, right? When you talk about Haggai, and the fact that God is basically telling the people, he's like, my guys, let me tell you why the thing, why the thing you guys are just here lacking in so many things, is because you have literally rejected me. You have rejected the, my purposes and the thing that I'm doing, right? So it's cool, man. <laughs> it's cool. You've rejected the thing. And this is the reason why all this is happening. But then now he's saying, and he's telling them, that when you begin to refocus yourself, and you begin to refocus what it is that I'm trying to tell you, then that way, then you're opening up yourself up to being able to understand how it is that I'm able to achieve fruitfulness in your life. This is the thing that is so interesting about this guy, Simon, is that literally at some point, Jesus literally turns to this guy and says to him, by the way, go deeper, cast your net over there, you'll catch something on that side. Bro, there was no something that they caught. They caught a bounty. Why? Because Jesus is the key to fruitfulness. He's the key. He is the key. But here's the other thing that I want you to be able to mention. So that's the first part of this story around the fact that, Jesus, that Simon allows Jesus to use his boat. That's the first part. But the second part is this, is that Jesus found Simon a kiwa job. He was at work. He was working on something. Like I told you last time in the last thing, that, that God blesses the work of our hands. So Simon was found working on something, right? This is what he was found. He was found working on something, right? So, so Jesus didn't find Simon idol. Simon was working on something. But here is the thing that is so interesting about Simon and the thing that we can learn from him is that Simon wasn't prepared for the blessing that he received. His nets were not ready. His boats were not ready. Right? And the thing that is so interesting is why I'm saying this to you is because the reason why we've been looking at how we are reframing this whole thing around work ethic is that what we are doing is that we are preparing ourselves for God to bless us. But this is the thing that I'm saying to you, that if you are the kind of person right now, if I'm telling you this, that if you are the kind of person that is supporting kingdom work, Right? That if you're the kind of person that is supporting kingdom work, and also secondly, if you're the kind of person that is allowing God to use you for his kingdom, I am telling you right now in Jesus' name, prepare for God's blessing. Do not be like Simon. Because when we allow God to use us, when we allow God to use our stuff, when we do like he says in Haggai 1, when we begin to refocus our attention on understanding that when we begin to involve ourselves in the thing that he is doing, that he in turn then looks and he's just like, all right, man, it's time to, just like Jesus is like, okay, by the way, Abu, remember they still had to do some work, eh? but now Jesus turns to Peter and tells the guy, by the way, uh, now, now that I've set my gaze on you, cast your net on that side and you will haul in a huge bounty. Well, he didn't tell him about the fact that he'd holy. He just told him why he'd cast his net. And the thing is, at the right time, Jesus turned his gaze towards Simon. 
gave him an instruction on where to go fishing. And Simon said to Jesus, if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. They said here, it says that they had worked so hard and caught so little. This is literally what we've been talking about the whole time from, from Acts 14. That the first thing that literally God is calling us to do is to first and foremost refocus our attention. That yes, you've been working hard. Yes, you've been doing all this stuff. Just the same way that Simon says, yeah, we worked hard all night. But at the time when he begins to now, at the point where he allows Jesus to use his stuff, where he allows literally Jesus to use him, is that, now that's when they now come and they're now hauling in this whole bounty that they ha- literally have no room to contain. That when he obeyed Jesus' instruction, all heaven broke loose. <laughs> All heaven broke loose. <laughs> I really hope for that. You know, usually as guys, all hell broke loose. Man, I'm waiting for all heaven to break loose on me. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, I assure you of one thing. And for every single person, that I assure you that God sees your investment into his kingdom. And your time will surely come. Your time will surely come. This is how we work. That just as Simon, while he was there putting in his work, He was there putting in his work. But the difference is that Simon was unprepared for the blessing. He was unprepared for what it is that comes when we begin to allow Jesus to use our stuff and allow Jesus to use us. And the thing is, I pray as I close that I pray that Jesus will find us putting in the work in everything that we do. But as well as putting in the work into his kingdom. And I assure you. That your time will come. Where you will hear him say to you, go over there and cast your net and you'll catch some fish. And I'm telling you, when that happens, all heaven breaks loose. This is how we work. And this is the key thing that we need to understand. It's about focus. That even as we're here working and doing all these things, that there is this understanding that Jesus is the key. That Jesus is the plug. He is the key to unlocking fruitfulness in our lives. He is the key. And this is how we work. That by knowing that Jesus is the plug, that he is the key, that he is the key to fruitfulness, that we will be found diligent in our investment into his kingdom. And further, that we will be found diligent working on whatever task is before us. That these two things work in tangent. That Simon was found diligent at work. Diligent at work. But he was also found diligently available to be used for the kingdom. These two things must coexist for us in how we work. That kingdom investment is not something that we do at just whatever. I don't know how else to appeal to you, to tell you this. Like, it's just like, I need you to understand that Jesus is the key to fruitfulness in everything. And when we set our gaze on exactly what he's telling us to do, that we do the thing that he says in Haggai, that we focus, that we refocus our attention on the kingdom and how we are making strides and investments into his kingdom, that we allow him to use our stuff and to use us. But also on top of that, that we will be found faithfully working faithfully, diligently in the place where we need to be, just like Simon, diligently out there, found Ukiwa Job. And for sure, for sure, the bounty will 
come because that is how he works. Amen. <sighs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you're teaching us. Father, yet again, you uh, are setting us up to just refocus. To focus our gaze, to focus our attention. That even as we are here working, that to understand that there is, that, that you are the key. That you, O oh Lord Jesus Christ, are the key. And that when we neglect your work, we are in essence neglecting our own work. And we are setting up ourselves to a life of toiling. When in essence, what you're calling us to do is to literally refocus our attention on you. An attention on your agenda. An attention on what it is that you want to do on this earth. Through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we would all refocus our attention on you. And understand that without that focus, everything else that we do is useless. May we be those who would be those who trust in you, who put our confidence in you, that we may be trees that are planted by streams of water. In times of refreshing, we'll always come because we've put our trust and our hope in you and in the hope of the calling that you have called us to in Christ Jesus. So we commit ourselves before you. May you use us and may you use our stuff for the extension of your kingdom in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe. Subscribe. God bless you guys.